Harness Racing, Victoria Wide. RSN 927 is Talking Trots. Hello and welcome to Talking Trots for this Saturday morning, beautiful Saturday morning at Stradbroke Day. Um, before, we get st- before we get stuck into the Trots Bucks, you did send us the back-to-back wins of That's true. Black Piranha the other night. Um, for a horse who wasn't any sort of superstar, they were, they were a couple of pretty big wins. Huge wins and good One of my favourite races. Yeah, great race, good fields. I remember the year I... Um, How did he do it? Absolutely teed off on Sincero, and uh, and that was a great day, but... Uh, such is uh, such is the past. We move on. But there's some magnificent uh, harness racing as well, of course, going on at Tabcorp Park. Melton tonight, as I look feverishly around for my form guide, and I have found it. Um, really good competitive racing again. I know we've got the RBA Jests, uh, the ratings-based handicap assistant, coming in July 1, but I reckon the last several weeks at Tabcorp Park, Melton, it's been really good competitive racing, and I think there's a little bit of value to be found if you're on the search for it. Have you... Can you give us a little bit of a spoiler alert? Have you found something at a price no, for Melton tonight? Um, no spoilers here. The one thing I will say, and um, this isn't to, to keep on beating the same drum. I, the Sounds one, like it is. That's what you've preempted it. <laughs> True. What, what drum? Which drum are you beating? What well, drum, the thing that's leading bait? to such competitive and good metropolitan class racing is metropolitan class races. Mm. So uh, the more metropolitan class races we have, I believe that the better a program looks. It's that simple. It's just... Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's a uh, which is, it seems to be a trend of recent recent weeks and months that we are having more metropolitan races. Yeah, well, I love them. You know, I so? absolutely love them. The higher the quality, the better. But we'll get stuck into the form a little bit later. First of all, we should go through what we learned during the week, and certainly last weekend we learned that Charlotte shoots to maiden Group One in Trotters Oaks, which is. You know, it's a little bit of an anomaly, the fact that the New South Wales Trotters Oaks is not a Group 1, but she's now swept the New South Wales and Victoria Trotters Oaks. And if, you know, anybody had said that that was a possibility, somebody took the multi probably, uh, you know, six weeks ago, you would have thought absolutely no chance this could possibly happen. But she's she's emerged and she's, she's emerged very, very quickly. She has. Uh, she sprints very quickly as well. She does. She does, as I sort of outlined a couple of weeks ago, I thought that, the signs were there to some degree that um, she was a pretty nice trotter in the making. She obviously had to put it all together. But did you have the multi? I didn't have the multi. Okay. I didn't uh, didn't at all. In fact, so went nowhere near it. But still, uh, to Paul Males and, and Zach Phillips, and um, they've obviously done an, an outstanding job to get her where she is and her win on the weekend. Look, it, she didn't face heaps of adversity, but she was crossed by a forty to one shot early and ended up three poles. So not everything went right for her, but uh, she did get the run back to the inside. And as you say, that turn of foot was lethal. And um, yeah, she's she's just a top quality trotting filly. And what I think it's fair to say is not the strongest three year old trotting divili- divi- I really messed that one up. Division. Three year old trotting <laughs> division of the fillies that we've ever seen. But uh, yeah, she's uh, she's a very good horse. It's not. I, I'm not. I don't know. I'm not sold one way or the other at the moment, but. I, I think she's got a chance, and I think George Pride's got a chance in the VHRC home field tonight, but once again, we'll get to that a little bit later. Point number two, Bell beats Tiff to the Punch in Jewel Showdown. Uh, we've spoken about this a little bit during the week, but this should have been built up as the uh, the uh, the biggest of the big in terms of Jewel's Day, which, amazingly, despite the unbelievable weather last Saturday at Addington, when all the figures come in, it will be the second highest turnover Jewel's in history. So in terms of really building momentum for that particular event. It was the highest event, last year. 
Just no, no, it was it was a year where okay. there was a whole lot of races cancelled everywhere. It was at Cambridge, and apparently okay. uh, Brisbane was off, and a number yeah. of uh, thoroughbred race meetings were off. So, um, well, you've gone a little bit smirky and just, snowy just there. Just asking you've, the uh, question. You've you fired at the goal. So there were reasons. That, out, okay, yep. yeah, there were reasons. So it wasn't. It's not like there's a trend. Just no, arguably, it could up. have been the if, if you take away those anomalies, it could have been the greatest meeting of all time. You could. Yep. Uh, certainly, racing at Addington would have something to do with that rather than Ashburton or Cambridge, but um, a magnificent job in terms of the promotion on both sides of the ditch for that uh, that race meeting. But Bella Montana, um, she's just exceptional, isn't she? I mean, both fillies are exceptional, and I really hope this isn't the end of their rivalry. As four-year-olds, I hope we see them uh, face each other on a number of occasions going forward, but... Uh, at the end of the day, this was the grand final. And when you look at their head-to-head record, Bell of Montana will be, or has to be, really the the, uh, the Kiwi three-year-old filly of the year. And what she did in Victoria was also magnificent. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't, it's a little bit disappointing that it's the end of their seasons. I would have loved to see them clash again at some stage, a Breeders' Crown or or whatnot not to be. But um, as you say, we'll, we'll probably get to see them as four-year-olds. And there's nothing between them, I mean... Uh, are we are we 100% locked in that Bella Montana won't be coming to the ground? No, no. Well, that'd be. I mean, that yeah. would be that would be honestly uh, unbelievable if she was. Yeah, I'm not. I, I have a feeling it might have been the end of both of their seasons, but not 100% on that. But I think Princess Tiffany's still being talked about as the only runner that might. Sorry, come. she'll go to Queensland. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, um, but it would be great if they met again. But you get the feel, funny feeling that Bella Montana won't be there. But we digress. Go yeah. on. Yeah, no, I'm just in some really poor form this morning. Um, there's, look, it's hard to work out if there is much between them or is there's, there's not. Uh, clearly, there's not there's much. Not. But It's contrast in styles. And, and exactly who's going to end up getting better runs over the long term and end up in better positions. Again, it's not totally simple to work out who that will be. Maybe Belle of Montana, but... Oh, Princess Tiffany's the she's one. stronger. Princess Tiffany's the one that's got the um, the extra strength, and, and that's... But will she have to do extra work in her races because of that? Well, on occasions it would appear that Princess Tiffany can do any amount of work. When she's absolutely 100% on someone, it feels like she can do any amount of work and still uh, still win her win in the New Zealand Oaks and also the Breeders' Crown as a two-year-old. She just she just did whatever was required and was still too good. But Belle of Montana's got a dazzling turn of speed and she will only get stronger as she gets older. I mean, she held the lead for a fair while on uh, on Saturday at Addington. So we look forward to that... Um, that rivalry continuing, and we need to build more rivalries in the sport. The third point is Barclay collects six from six with promising pace. So we stay across the Tasman here, uh, and you spotted this. I'm not exactly sure whether you were just um, uh, reclining on the uh, on the chaise lounge and watching this race, or whether somebody tipped you off. But uh, this this southerner in New Zealand is now six from six. You may collect, and it was another devastating victory in one of their smaller smaller cup races. Yep, it was. I think it was the Bluff Cup, um, Bluff. Ascot Park, on a was it a Monday afternoon? It might have been. Uh, they always get one really good horse down south. That is true, and uh, and they appear to have found the next one. And you may collect for uh, Kirsten Barclay, like this horse, <laughs> the turn of foot it's shown. I know it hasn't beaten much probably in its career to date, but I think uh, most people are taking notice now that it's a genuine New Zealand Cup open. I think it's twenty one dollars already all in for that New Zealand Cup, being well back this week uh, after the win. So. Yeah, it's very hard to know exactly how good he is, but he's unbeaten. That's a really good start. He's got a, a sharp turn of foot. He went to the staying trip for the first time on Monday and was still as uh, as zippy as ever. And um, yeah, I, I like to keep my my eyes across things, so I just found it, and uh, there you go. Well done. And our final point is bull back with zippy win. Yeah. I've watched this now a few times. The time is very very good. Yes. Uh, did work. Yes. 
and I'm not going to kill Bambi here, but I'm still the jury's still slightly out. I still thought his pacing action wasn't superb, and he's beaten Volt and Tim. Yeah, look, obviously this was over seven days ago, but we we had a bit of fun with it, uh, last Saturday morning with Cody, and just thought it would be worth bringing back up and uh, and saying good to see him back in the winner's stall because he was beaten last time, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, time will tell. <laughs> Voltantin is a nice horse. He's obviously no superstar, and it will be interesting. I guess the... I think it's just... I mean, first of all, it's great to see the Chicago Bulls come yes. back to to a level. But but the real test is whether Gary Hall Sr. will be willing to, to travel the horse, I think. I think if he doesn't travel a horse, it's probably a sign that... Although there's good money in Perth and he can keep winning every week, that's probably a sign that he doesn't have confidence he's back to his absolute best. If he travels a the horse, then you know that he's probably back to his absolute best. Uh, have you got a couple of runs of the week for us so that we can uh, we can deify a few, um, Absolutely. few equine stars on the track? I'm sure you'll have one or two from uh, from last Saturday night at Melton. I've got one from Thursday at Maryborough. It was a big, long card of racing at Maryborough on Thursday, but there are a couple of really impressive winners. And I, this is a bit self-serving, this one, but I'm going to give one point to down under Barkers because he absolutely smashed them, dropping back in grade at, at an each-way price. Um, great drive from Greg Sugars, and uh, and he won very impressively. So one point to down under Barkers on Thursday at Maryborough. Now, we can toss up the two and the three. Do you want to do two or do you want to do three? I'll do the three. You do the three. All right, well, I kind of want to split a couple here, but there was a horse. I hope I don't pick your one. That would be hilarious. There was a horse that won at Melton during the week called Mac Hugh on debut for Lance Justice. Uh, and it was, it was straight on the taxi after this. Yes, and it was a dollar thirty. So punters knew it had obviously trialled well, and it it lifted incredibly well under pressure when I thought it might be in a bit of bother. So I'm willing to give two points to Mac Hugh. And what have you found for three? I found. Oh, look, I think because we haven't mentioned him at any stage, Bernie Winkle gets the job oh, yeah. for three votes. What he has done. This preparation has just been out of this world, and uh, I still harken back to. You do this as a punter uh, and as a form analyst. I think I declared him for like an Ararat Cup where he was going to lob the back of the leader and he and he half couldn't keep up coming to the turn. We might have been at the Mooney Valley races on uh, that night, or certainly I was. Mm. Uh, but his recent form is just unbelievable. 56 home on Saturday night at Tabcorp Park, Melton. was three poles and won by 7.2 metres. Now, being three poles and winning by over seven metres, that shows you what a dramatic turn of speed he's got. He's got a much tougher assignment. He's keep stepping up in grey. Goes to free-for-all level at, uh, at Tabcor Park this evening and will probably have his colours lowered. But I tell you what, it's been an incredible campaign for the son of rock and roll heaven. If you had to pick a driver of the week, who would you say, Blake Reddick? Mac, who, who are you? Uh, I would say... I haven't done the stats on this, so I'm just sort of I'm just going to pluck one here. And I think for longevity and consistency of work over the last three or four weeks, I'm happy to go with Brad Chisholm. I know he drove our Thunder Buddy at Maryborough during the week, and uh, I'm sure he's had a couple of other winners, but he's been in uh, excellent form for a number of weeks now. He's a vastly improved driver, I reckon, Brad. Yep, uh, no doubt about it. That's um, no knock on him, but I reckon he, uh, I think he's he's still a young man, and I think he's. He's made leaps and bounds in uh, in recent weeks and months, and he's getting more opportunities, which um, which is is good reward for the work, I guess. So, 
Well done to him. He's uh, he's driving really well, and I'm sure he'll continue to rack up the winners in the next little while. Who do you think, just before we go to a break here on Talking Trots and get stuck into the form for tonight, who's the best driver in Australia under 25 years of age? Oh, geez, you'd need a line. Wouldn't you? You'd need a list of drivers to know who's no, you wouldn't. Who's 25 and who's not? Now, aren't you? Well, you no. name them, and I'll tell you if they're under 25. Uh, in Australia, Australia. So I don't follow the other states quite as closely right, as Victoria. You can stick to Victoria, then, my friend. I would probably lean towards Darby McGuigan. Who Darby you, McGuigan. Yeah, who would you just lean want to towards? be careful because I've been pulled up a couple of times. Yep. By, we did this on in the gig. Yes. And I did mention Jason Lee in my top three, and he's absolutely barred me ever since. Really? So I just want to send. I do, if you, oh yeah, I'd have him in my top three for if, sure. If then. you're listening, <laughs> Rockstar, I do rate you. I think you're a sensational driver, Group One winning driver. If we could start talking, did you, again, I think you, we can. I think we can uh, build some. Bridges. Put him, put him somewhere in the top three. If he talks to you a bit more. Sorry, put him somewhere in the top. I, I three. think, he's, I think, like it was very unlucky to me. So I think the Tell other, I think the other, the other two panelists had him in the top three, <laughs> and I was being a bit of a contrarian. Tell us your top three. Zach Phillips is my number one. Okay, but um, two and three. You thought Zach Phillips was thirty-four, didn't you? And that's understandable. No, no. no. Uh, I reckon I threw in Nathan Dawson. Yep. And. Um, I can't remember who the yeah. third one was. I'd say Zach moment. Phillips and Jason Lee were probably my second and third, yes. Yeah, so. They're pretty similar. Jason Lee, definitely. It's a photo finish. They all go over the line together. The Weekend Review, The Weekend Preview. RSN 927 is Talking Trots. We are back on Talking Trots on this Saturday morning, of course, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Stradbroke Morning Day. Bon, it's really the, the start of winter, I guess, here in Australia and... Um, Looking forward to that, but also looking forward to Melton tonight. I don't see why anyone would be looking forward to winter. Don't know what Stradbroke morning day means, um, but uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to the races at Melton tonight, that's for sure. We've got 11 once more, which seems to be the theme at the moment, and hopefully we've found a few winners, but it's not going to be easy. No, it's not. Race one on the card is scheduled to kick off at 4.52pm, the DNR Logistics Vic Bread Pace for Metropolitan Maidens, and this is a tough race. Kasbah Kid drawn out the back with Micro Meteor. Uh, Ilwong Maestro draws a barrier for the first time in a little while. What you're waiting for is thereabouts. Can you can you sort of find us the winner? I don't know if I can. My numbers are 10, 2, 3, and 9. Kasbah Kid's the best horse in the race. If you go back a few months ago, he was sparring sometimes successfully with horses like Phoenix Prince and Code Bailey and Franco Tristan, who goes around uh, in the free-for-all tonight. So really, the best of Kasbah Kid would win the race. Can you trust that you'll get the best of him tonight after his last couple of starts? I'm not sure you can. I, I expect I'll end up playing for value in this race. If I do play, I'll definitely have a crack at the early quarter. Um, Illawong Maestro's in the mix as well. I know you've got a real soft spot for him. He just doesn't... He finds it very hard to win these races, and I think he's going to come up shorter than I'm willing to accept. But I definitely think he can win. The ones that are probably more backable are horses like Watcher Waiting For and uh, Micro Meteor, who both went around with Illawong Maestro in that Metropolitan Pace series. Bravey Bondi is better known as a front of the field horse, but did chase down the very smart Van Danter last start. So it has to be in the mix. And I've, I even reckon that Riverina horse, Prince Potter, who's going to come up at big prices, worth you know consideration for your early quarties. But look, my numbers are 10, 2, 3 and 9. But I wouldn't put money on anything that is paying less than $5 in this race. Race two on the card is the Elderbaron Park Vic Bread Trot over the middle trip, 5.28pm. And again, this is a pretty deep race. Uh, Derriere's drawn the pole. Auntie Poppy right behind. Variance is racing well. And uh, Reels is ar- arguably one of the class runners. Even Winebro wasted, drawn off the second row. So how did you see him? It's an absolute rip of this race. I've, I've settled on four 
critical runners. Could be a big night for the candy man, Greg Sugars. I've got Auntie Poppy on top. She's going to be awkwardly placed, probably three poles in transit, but she's got a devastating turn of speed. She beat the paces, ripping home in 57-1 last start. Like, uh, you know, I, I keep going on about this, but since she's been paired with elite-level drivers, Auntie Poppy looks like she's, you know, one of the best trotting mares in the country. And uh, I just think if she gets the gaps at the right time, that's up to uh, to Greg Sugars to make that happen. Reg, if he can get the job done in that respect, I think uh, that Arnie Poppy will win the race. But the major danger is definitely, to my eye, variants, who really the last three, four, five starts have all been meritorious. But what it did last start circling around to find the front, you know, virtually free-for-all level and only getting run down by Kai Valley Blur, beating horses like Mouldy Law and, and Into the Unknown and the rest home, was excellent sub-two minutes on that occasion. I reckon David Murphy would be best off driving variants very aggressively in search of the top here, even from the second-line draw. Uh, if that happens, he can win. Derry is an interesting runner. You know I've always had a theory, thoroughbreds and... Trotters, doesn't matter what the code is. I don't like a horse going too well first up from a break. And Derriere went really well first up from a break. Defeated the great Redeemer after getting the uh, the slipstream in transit. Since then, it's been inconclusive because she's been in bad spots, like impossible winning spots in transit, uh, and finished seventh and sixth as a result. She's back from the pole mark and draw. One thing that people might forget about Derriere is that she's actually quite a capable beginner under the right circumstances. She'll hold up, I reckon, from the pole early, then it'll be a decision that Chris Lang has to make whether he wants to hand up or not. But if she was back to her best, of course Derriere can win. And Reels was favourite in the race won by Derriere last time. We haven't seen him since then, but his prior form was absolutely outstanding. So I reckon there's four critical winning chances. They all go in level staked in the early quarters, 8, 9, 1 and 10. The way he was driven last time, I wouldn't be surprised if Valley SJ was driven to lead and hold the lead, but... Uh... Time will tell, I guess. I don't reckon he'd actually get across Derriere, to be honest. Oh, and his old gate speed, he'd go close. Yeah. Old gate speed, maybe. Race three on the card is the VHRSC home field. It's a group two, $30,000 for the three-year-old trotters over the sprint trip. And this has been the go of all goes. $11 into two twenty. all the muscles. An outright favourite now over Majestuoso, who's also seen support. 260 into 230, and you can pretty much write your own ticket the rest, but don't touch the Duco and Royal Charlotte. You've mentioned uh, her and George's pride earlier this morning. They're not without hopes. Other people will have different opinions. This is uh, one of the most exciting home fields I've seen in the past 10 years, in my opinion, because of the freak factor about a couple of the horses engaged, and I speak primarily of all the muscles and majestuoso, but George's pride is unbelievably professional and very, very good, and Royal Charlotte's got a bit of freak factor about her as well at the moment. Don't touch the Duco. Christopher knows us. Always had a big opinion, and so have you, Bakes. So, look, it's a really, really good race. I've ultimately settled on nine, four, five, and 2. Martin Risley probably won't ever talk to me again either for what I'm about to say, but I reckon the key here is if John Caldo gets very aggressive, all the muscles is going to want to be in the early speed. Um, yep, that's David Moran you're pointing to. Yep. Yeah, if all the muscles wants to get into the early speed battle, but I'm saying John Caldo because George yep. is pride, I reckon, I reckon she can get him off his game because he's he's not the cleanest gated trotter of all time. And if he gets a little bit rocky and, and George's prize says, I'm just going to keep attacking you, David Moran's got a decision to make. Get out of the way and, and, try and, and try and settle all the muscles. Who can win from anywhere, mind you, given his incredible ability, uh, or stay in the speed battle and potentially end up breaking up and um, and losing all hope of winning the race. So I think there's going to be an early speed burn here. I think it's going to suit Majestuoso. Despite all the mu- muscles having so much freak, freak factor, I still think Majestuoso is the best horse in the race at the moment. 
So I've got nine on top of four Georges Pride, who I reckon is big value because I think if she does find the front, she'll run one hell of a race over the 17.20. Royal Charlotte in for third. And all the muscles can obviously win the race. He could be anything, all the muscles, uh, based particularly on his New South Wales derby performance. But I just think... That first two or three hundred metres is going to be critical for him. Nine, four, five, and two. I'll be staying out, but even Orlando Storm was an outstanding winner of the Oaks Trial. Like, that was an island performance, though, wasn't it? Well, the rest of them had. I mean, yeah. No, yeah. you're right. It was a big win, but race four on the card. We've got to probably fly through the rest here. Is the Ben Studs down of Breads Youthful Stakes, two-year-old fillies over the Sprint Trip, and the class drawn off the second row. Summertime, Alice K and Gemstone. Just having a look at the early. Uh, Prices, I reckon we're going to get a, get a go here with Alice K. Nine, eleven, eight, and six. She's only met uh, Gemstone on one occasion, I reckon, um, and Gemstone galloped Metallo. on that occasion. Yeah, galloped and. Alice Kay beat her home, but it was hard to work out. I don't think there's very much between those three fillies, to be honest. Some t- summertime, Alice Kay and Gemstone. And Alice Kay draws best, has Zach Phillips. I've already named him my number one driver under 25. I think he'll get the tactical advantage over his major rivals, and I just think Gemstone's going to come up at a silly price. I've got her in for second. She was very good uh, when second in the APG final last night. She's no super superstar. She's a nice filly, but I don't think she's got you know a, a huge advantage on LSK in summertime. Summertime's got a lot of ability, but he's first up from a break from an awkward draw. And the other runner, he stars by the beach, has... Brilliant gate speed and was terrific coming from off the speed in a much easier race to win last start. So I'll only be throwing three in the early quarter, though, 9, 11, 8 and 6. First leg of the main quarter is the tab multiplier pace for M1 to M2 horses over the middle trip and uh, don't hold back resumes from a spell. He's been trialling incredibly well. Look, if I had to have a bet in the race, I'd nearly back Courageous Saint still because he is dead set knocking on the door. Uh, I've gone 13, 6, 2 and 10. Now, I tweeted during the week that no frontline runner here has led in their past 20 starts, which is an incredible start, I thought, for an M1 to M2 race. Be good, Juddy can hold up here for a period of time. Uh, Professor Tom, I think, will roll forward. And I think if the pressure is brought to bear, a horse like Van Mara or Resurgent Spirit goes forward, Professor Tom might be allowed to roll onto the top. Uh, giving him a great chance. But I think if there is mid-race pressure, don't hold back is about double the quote that I made him for this race in some markets. He is better than these horses, just flat out better than them. And the way he's trialled, I think he can come out here and potentially under the right circumstances blow them away. I'd certainly love to see that. Defeated uh, Shadow Sachs in the uh, in the four-year-old Breeders' Crown last time we saw him. He's really good. 13 on top here and one of the uh, one of the better value bets on the program now that he is value. Over six, Professor Tom, who I've got a big opinion of. He's much better suited to middle distance racing, I reckon, given he lacks that early tactical speed but has got a lot of strength. Two big good Juddies going to be in the right spot and Courageous Saint in for fourth. Um, Resurgent Spirit did trial well recently, though, around Rackham Up Tiger Pine, so Ho Tribeca. So he'd be the other one you'd consider for your major quarties, 13-6-2-10. Race six on the card, the young Pedro free-for-all over the sprint trip, Rackham Up Tiger Pie you just referenced. Turns up here, and uh, Hickstead, the only real winning danger? I'm going to sort of contradict myself here. Rackham Up Tiger Pie is clear. I'm going to take him one out in the quaddy because yep. he's going to be short, and I think... I don't want to waste percentage here, and I think he's—I don't know—he's the best horse in the race. What he did in the Ballarat Cup when splitting yeah. uh, the fixer and Cruz Bromac—I mean, that, it, nothing here could go close to doing something like that. So, Bernie he should win. His current form from a three-pole position might be able to. Not in the Ballarat. <laughs> I'm not sure in the Ballarat Cup. Uh, rack him up, Tiger Pie, though. But I still reckon a dollar forty is painfully short over the short course trip. If he gets strung up a little bit early, he follows through Hickstead. 
Yeah, the only that's the thing I think, and it's hard to find anyone to beat him. I've gone Hickstead for second. He's obviously a nice horse, and he might be able to find the front here, which would certainly help his chances. Bernie Winkle's just going so well that I've thrown him in for third. And the other two critical runners, Franco Tristan, having his first run since the Easter Cup victory, he's obviously got a good turn of speed. And Magical Mom will be improved by one run back from a break. But if Rackham Up Tiger Pie is as good as we think he is, we all think he is, he should be winning nine two eight and five. Race seven is at eight p.m. The Alabar Silver Chalice. Three year old, a group three for the four year old mares and uh, look at probably a race in two on class so her burning love and pistol Abbey but love you babe gets the barrier draw advantage yeah the first and second place get us for them from the Queen of the Pacific here of course they went around at 50 to 1 in that race but um, comprised the Quinella there back in a four year old mares group three here and I think one of the two will win contrasting styles interested just quickly I know we're time poor but love you babe isn't that quick a beginner from the pole. And I reckon My Harmony Blue, Macy Jade and Soho Burning Love all have a crack at the start. My opinion is basically if Soho Burning Love can find the front without doing something obscene, she's the one to beat. I suspect she might have to do something obscene to find the front or not find the front at all, in which case Pistol Abbey becomes clearly the horse to beat. And I've leant towards Pistol Abbey over Soho Burning Love. They're the only two I'm going to have in quarties. Love you, baby, in for third, but some critical decisions have to be made in transit about how hard to go at the start and uh, and what you do if you get pressured in the middle stages. And I've thrown out bare knuckle in for fourth, but really anything in the race could run fourth. Eight, seven, one, and three. What's your map here? Uh, yeah, I think Love You Babe will, will hold the lead early, but wouldn't be surprised if, with about a 1,000 metres to go, she let my Harmony Blue slide past her, but that could uh, that could be wrong. Race 8 on the card is the Allied Express 3-year-old pace over the middle trip. Uh, a lot of class drawn wider on the second row here. Bet America, though, I think you're pretty keen. Best on the program for me. I don't think there's anything between the top three or four fillies here, and Bet America's going to lead, and... That pretty much means to me Better America will win, so better early to avoid disappointment. Over Enchanted Stride, a lot of things went wrong for Enchanted Stride last time, but when she's on song, I reckon she's really smart, Enchanted Stride. Two times better, we know, has got a lot of ability, but she's not what she was as a two-year-old. The punters got burnt. As we said that they shouldn't get on at thirty last time, or two starts ago, they didn't. She only finished third behind uh, Vena May and Miss McGonagall, I reckon. Miss McGonagall's 51-9. and nine. I know you've got a big opinion of her. The draw really hurts, but that's a silly price for a horse who's been very competitive at this level. Um, I've thrown her in for fifth, but in for fourth, I've got Lady Rock and Roller, a stable mate of Bet America, who also rolls forward at the start. Six, nine, eight, and five. Best bet on the program, Bet America. Race nine on the card is the Ben Studd Standard Bread's youthful stakes for the two-year-old Colts and Gallardlings over the sprint trip. Now, I have to say, Colin Watson uh, gave me a call during the week, uh, Great trotting man. He uh, he let me know that Merigon is not a camera, a camera lens. Well, it might be, but this horse is named after a Waratah being out of the Waratah, so that's where the name Merigon comes from. Well, that's not critical for punting, but no. I'm glad everyone now knows uh, Merigon will be winning the race. He's obviously very good. Um, this is an easier race than the homegrown classic uh, final, so I think he just wins. I'm happy to play trifectas here around what did you say to finish second or third. I think he's an underrated horse. What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Yep. Uh, Star Hunter obviously went through the APG series, is now back with Jane Davies, who owns the horse, also owns and trains Crafty Bart. Uh, it's not really in the winning mix. I would have thought I've thrown in for fourth. Uh, you are my sunshine, but it gets really tricky. Sahara Sirocco, we've only seen once. Heard some good reports. Gary Might have been emanating uh, around Mildura Cup time about this horse. Yeah, I mean, it, we don't know how good he's. Like, like I say, he, he beat um, your shout, Rocky. So it's hard to tell the form. Oh, I think that'll stand up. Okay. Yep. Uh, Miragol wins. What did you yep. say for second, third? Star Hunter and fourth. You are my sunshine, but wouldn't be surprised to see you know Aussie Battler. 
Sahara's Rocco run races. Race 10 on the card at Melton. Don't see this very often. A, a trotting uh, stand handicap race with 13 runners, one scratching already the emergency over the middle trip. Uh Moonlight Dream and, and Moonshine Linda, I guess, look the two on paper. The two gun four-year-old mares, I reckon they'll fight it out here. Really interesting. I I felt like I was going against all empirical data tipping Moonshine Linda on top, but I think really? she's going to start no, favourite. Yeah. I would have thought she'd be fave. Moonlight Dream's got 20 metres over her. Stepped well at the start. first. Stepped code. well. Yeah. Looks like she'll lead again here. Ripped home in a devastating yep. final half. Yeah. Like... Facts and figures tell you Moonlight Dream wins the race. It's, I thought it was more instinct and intuition that was telling me that Moonshine Linda would win. So I've gone with Moonshine Linda, but it wouldn't surprise me to fall if Moon, Moonlight Dream totally dominated the race in front. Yeah. Uh, like I say, one of the two should win. Mass Destruction was a uh, good winning second up in Australia last time out, and it's the only knockout hope I would have thought. And if you want some value here, what a lot of fray normally begins quickly. If it gets itself into a good spot... It could add the really big value to your wider exotic wages, but I think the classy four-year-old mares will dominate proceedings with uh, from contrasting roles, 11, 2, 10, 6. And the last on the card will rip through the Pridmore Electric's pace final for the four-year-old Nolder C1 horses over the sprint trip. Tough race, uh, merely on fire. Flash of Al gets into the race, might be a knockout chance at odds. Rock and Roll Prince, really speedy beginner and no alibi off the back row. The only thing I know is that Rock and Roll Prince will lead. Apart from yep. that, I don't know much about the race. 3, 11, 6 and 1. I've gone with Amelia on fire, but the heats of this, uh, for this final were... Pretty tricky to work out. I originally had Bye Bye Barbie on top, but she's out of the race. Three, eleven, six, and one, hoping Amelia on fire can finish us off on the right note. And before we let you have a nap before uh, before race day mornings, mm-hmm. give us your best on the program. Uh, I'm going with Better America as my absolute best bet on the program, but I reckon the four dollars or something thereabouts that you might be getting around don't hold back is silly for a horse who I just think has. A whole world of ability on his rivals tonight. But it's going to be a terrific night of racing, and I reckon there's going to be an opportunity for a little bit of value there if you're good enough to find it.